Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi, that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. If you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. This week and next week, we are just going to be looking at the church. And uh, in two weeks, we will start a series um, that uh, I have titled, Who is Your One? And so that'll be a uh, four to six week study that uh, we'll walk through then. But Ephesians chapter four, I have been a part of seven churches Seven churches. I I have been a part of seven churches, both great in number and small in number. Um, At the age of eight, I was saved at the largest church that um, I have been a part of at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis. And after that, I moved with my family down to uh, what I would call my home church, and that is in Houston, Mississippi at First Baptist Church. Houston grew up there at that church, was called to ministry in that church and out of that church, and then have served in five different churches um, in Mississippi and also in North Carolina. And at As I think about those churches, as I think about this church, I am reminded of this passage of Scripture. As a seventh grader, it was Youth Sunday. And on Youth Sunday at the church where I grew up, First Baptist Church Houston, that meant that the youth did everything on that Sunday, meaning the youth taught adult Sunday school class. The youth did the nursery, the youth led in worship, they were the choir, the youth preached. And as a seventh grader, I preached. Not because I was called to ministry, no. Not because I was going to be a preacher, although I turned out to be one or try to be one but because I had the qualifications of what the other youth guys thought should happen to be the preacher on that day, which meant this. I went to a Christian school. I had Bible class. Therefore, I was the one who was going to preach. And I was outvoted and outnumbered, so therefore, Youth Sunday, I preached. And I preached from Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 1 through 6. A couple of things happened on that that I remember. The first is that I paced from side to side on the stage and some things don't change. The second thing that I remember about that is that it was extremely short. Some things do change. The whole sermon was about 10 minutes long and I think I'm giving myself three minutes on that, and because it was so short, the pastor actually stood up and actually preached after I preached on what I preached. That was uh, even better. 
But Ephesians chapter 4 this morning, as we look at the body, one body united together. I'm going to read 16 verses. I know that is a long passage, and I want to make three observations from this passage for us about the body. So as I read this, there are two main characters. There is always the main character of Christ, and I want you to see him as he is spoken of, as he is described, as he is in this passage. I need you to see him above anything else. We need to see him and all that he is doing in the passage. But also there is the character or characters, the church, which is you and me together, collectively and individually in the passage. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 1 and following, he states this. Paul is writing to those in Ephesus and he says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, all gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Verse 4. There is one body. There is one Spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying that he ascended, this is kind of Paul going on a tangent here with this verse, with a couple of verses, trying to describe what he just said in that verse. He ascended. What what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. So he ascended back to heaven. And the reason that he could ascend back to heaven is because he had already descended here to the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might feel all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, We may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined, held together by every joint with which it is equipped, When each part is working properly, the whole body makes the body grow. He makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. 
this morning three observations about one body. Three observations for us as we look at this passage. The first is this. The first observation is the manner of your walk, the manner of my walk, of our walk as a church is unity. Look back in verses 1 through 3. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk. I, I urge you to be living in a certain way, to be living your life in a way that you've been called to live it, in a manner with which you have been called. Live your life in a certain way. How? He describes how you and I are to live our lives. See if this Just go through your mental checklist. You don't have to verbalize it right now. Just go through your mental checklist. See if these qualifications or these qualities or descriptors are you. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility. With all gentleness. With patience. Bearing with one another in love. Another descriptor, eager, verse 3. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Are those modifiers, are those descriptors you? Are you, are you a uh, man of humility? Sure you are, just ask you, right? Are you a lady of, of patience, of gentleness? Are you eager? Are you eager to maintain your spiritual walk? When I read this, first thing I thought about was flower beds. You're like, Brian, you have a weird mind. Yes, I do. But, but it was. It was the first thing that I thought about. Humility, gentleness, patience, eager to maintain this unity. If you were to go look at 34 Tanner Cove where I live, the flower bed that's in front of my house, you would see a couple of things. You would see the flowers that we put in there. You would see past plants and trees that we put in there, and you would see some grass and some weeds that we did not put in there, but that are trying to overtake what we did put in there. That's like your life. That's like my life. He's saying that we must be eager to maintain this aspect of our life, our walk, And if we're going to maintain this, the observation is that the unity is the manner of walk that is in our lives as individuals and also as a collective body. We have to be eager to maintain. We have to go out there in those flower beds and we have to pull weeds. And a week later, I have to go pull some more weeds. And a week later and a month later, guess what? Got to go pull some more weeds. And I believe for us in the room, the first time that we were pulling weeds in our spiritual life, 
Everything was great. We were eager and we were going at it. The second time, yeah, we were still at it. Third, fourth, fifth, maybe so. But now, the 2,942nd time, we look at the flower bed, so to speak, and we look at our life and we're like, man, I've already done that so many times. But for us to walk in unity as an individual with the head of our body, the church, for us to walk in unity as a collective group called River Bend, we must be eager to go and maintain the aspects of humility, the aspects of gentleness, patience, maintaining the unity of this Spirit. The question for you and the question for me today is this. Are you eager to maintain your spiritual walk, sir? Ma'am, are you eager this morning to maintain your spiritual walk? If we're going to walk in unity, you and I must be eager to do just that. Don't get me wrong. Unity is not unison, necessarily. Unity is not uniform, necessarily. Unity, there is much diversity in unity. We are united in the majors. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He died for you. He paid the price for you. He is the only one who can save you from your sins. But everybody up here on the stage this morning, as they were playing an instrument, were not playing the same instrument. If that were the case, we would only need one person up here on the stage. Everyone was putting in their instrument To do what? To project the song. To sing, to play. And that is the picture for all of us. There is a united movement that you and I must eagerly maintain. But the second observation is not just that this unity is the way that we are walking. But the second is this. The majestic picture of the church is growth. I'm going to skip a few verses, but look down in verse 11, down through verse 15, and and as I reread it for us, think about growth. Paul states this in these verses. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, he gave them to equip the saints... For the work of ministry. He gave them for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that, verse 14, we're no longer children tossed to and fro, but rather, verse 15, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. As I read that, and as 
you think about those verses. Look, you and I are to grow. And I, it happened. Um, back in June, the middle of June, there, there was a meeting of some 10,000 Southern Baptists. We are a Southern Baptist church. And every year there is the annual Southern Baptist Convention. And this year I, I didn't get to go, even though it was extremely close, per se. It was in Birmingham. I didn't get to go. But every other year and every other time that I have gone, here is what happens. And I, I'm a people watcher. Not a people talker as much, but I am a people watcher. And I just stand back and I watch as pastor and pastor come together and start a conversation. Eavesdrop just a little bit on the conversation. As staff member and staff member come and talk. As friends come and start conversations. As acquaintances come together. Here's what goes. Here's how it goes. Hi, John, Ted, Tom, Sally, whoever. So how many of you are running? That's like question number one. They're, they're sizing them up. You and I do it as well. You and I do it as individuals. We size each other up. We size each other up either by words that we say to try to understand it or just by looks. By start adding up, well, here's where they live, here's what they do, here's what they and we're sizing people up. I believe pastors are one of the, if not the worst of it. But in sizing one another up, and we're talking about growth, we always go to numerical growth. That is not what he is speaking of first and foremost here. He's speaking of internal. He's speaking of spiritual growth for the individual. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am and for the body as a whole. We are to grow. How? In unity of faith. We are to grow in knowledge of the Son of God. We are to grow into maturity of manhood, womanhood, into spiritual maturity. You and I are to grow. It is described there for us in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15, that we are to grow up into Christ and be like Him. But there's a problem. And the problem is this, when Jesus saved you, He did not abolish your old nature. You are still the son or the daughter of Adam. You still have the human soul in you. And because of that, you still sin. You still sin by the words that you say. You still sin by the attitudes that you have. You still sin by the actions that you do or by the attitudes, words, or actions that you don't do that you should have done. We sin by commission, by committing those things, and we sin by omission, by omitting the things that we should have done and we didn't do them. You do that, and so do I. But one day, one day, you will be changed. One day you will attain full maturity. And that day is when you and I see Jesus face to face. 
For now we see in a mirror dimly, Paul wrote to the folks in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but then we will see him face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Two key statements. Two key statements about growth as we see it in Ephesians chapter 4. The first is this, a healthy organism will grow. All healthy organisms grow. A healthy organism will grow, will bear fruit, and will multiply. Second statement. Health comes from within first, then it multiplies without. River Bend, you and I are called to grow. Dad, husband, sir, you are called to grow. Ma'am, mom, wife, you are called to grow. Are you growing? All healthy organisms Grow. As we look at the third and final observation this morning, take just a second to think about are you growing spiritually? Because the third observation tells us this that the goal of your maturity, of my maturity, is Christ. This past week, Nathan and I were in Montana, and we were hiking, and um, we hiked, uh, the first day that we hiked in Glacier National Park, we hiked 16 plus miles, Um, we hiked up to Dawson's uh, Pass in Glacier National Park, you can YouTube it and see what, uh, what it looks like from the top. But as we stood in the parking lot, and I pulled out the GPS, I looked at Dawson's Pass up at the top. It was at 7,438 feet was the pass, and I was standing some 2,200 feet below that. So in eight miles, there were 2,300 feet that I had to elevate, and we set out. And almost immediately, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I I wish it was March. And every step I was thinking, I wish it was March when I booked the trip. I wish that I would have run two more miles in March, four more miles biking in April and May. But we set out. And about a mile and a half into this first trail, we take the trailhead turn to a shortcut wanting to cut the 16 plus miles down a mile and a half and a quarter mile in we turn around the corner and right in front of us about 10 yards away is a full blown full grown blown female moose and she wasn't moving and so we came to a stop very quick 
And uh, we stood there, and Nathan and I start talking to this moose, and she just bends her head down and eats on this side and takes one step and eats on the other side of the trail, takes a step toward us, and we take two steps back. And she eats some more. And then we raise our hands, and we make some noise, and we look like idiots that we are. And she just eats some more. And finally I said, Nathan, looks like this is her trail, so why don't we back out and go back around to a different trail and walk around her, which added a mile and a half to our trail. 17.8 miles round trip. An 18-year-old having to wait on a 45, 46-year-old often. But when I stood at the pass and I overlooked the mountains to the right and to the left. When I saw the glaciers in front, when I turned around and saw the glaciers behind, the scene was worth it all. You said, Brian, that's a great story. You miss it. That's your spiritual life. That's you and me maintaining our spiritual journey every single day. Why? Because the goal is worth the work. The journey that you and I are on, the travels, the, the high times and the low times, the hard times, the times where you come up with an op- up against an obstacle that will not move and you have to backtrack and it seems, oh, I, it is so out of my way and I'm so over this. The goal is worth it. Look there in verse number 16 at the goal. Let me start in 15. It says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom, verse 16 says, from whom the whole body joined held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The goal of your maturity and my maturity is Christ and it is worth every ounce and day of work. So as I close, let me share and raise a couple of questions. A couple of thoughts and a couple of questions. Every day, you and I as individuals are to be growing closer to Him. If you are a believer in Christ today, every day you're to be growing closer to Him. Are you? Five minutes a day looking at two verses, a paragraph, a chapter, and scanning it, reading it, and closing your Bible and not picking it up again until the next day or if you forget the day after or the day after that is not going to cut it. It's not. I'm not saying that angrily. 
but it's not going to cut it. Do you know why it's not going to cut it? Because your face and my face are in a screen five plus hours a day. And we're scrolling through Facebook, we're scrolling through Twitter, through Snapchat, we are scrolling through Netflix, and we are inundated with the world. And five minutes to start your day, ten minutes to start your day, is not going to grow you any closer to the goal. Five minutes a day in prayer is not going to grow you closer, sir, ma'am, to the goal. It's not going to do it. Praying blips like on a radar screen of help or SOS will not get you or me closer to Him. Prayer is a conversation with Him. Two quotes from a book that the staff and I are going through and the leadership team and I are going through by Paul Miller, A Praying Life. Miller quote number one says this, Our natural desire, our natural desire to pray comes from creation. God put it in you to pray. He put it in you to pray. Our natural desire comes from creation. We are made in the image of God. Every single person is made in the image of God. Our inability to pray comes from the fall. Evil has marred you and me, marred the image, and we want to talk to God, but we can't. The friction of our desire to pray combined with our badly damaged prayer antenna Leads to constant frustration. Anybody resonate with that? A little further in the book, he says this. A praying life, a proper praying life, a a praying life feels like our family mealtimes. Because prayer is all about relationship. It's intimate and hints at eternity. We don't think about communication. We we don't think about words, but about whom we are talking with. Prayer is simply the medium through which we experience and connect to God. It doesn't come five minutes. It doesn't come ten minutes driving down the road. It's work. But if you understand the goal, And the goal is Christ. If you were to see Him, and one day you and I will see Him, we'll see Him face to face, and we will know Him like He knows us. But that's the goal. That's Dawson's past. We're, We're up there. We're seeing all the sights and all the majesty. You spending time on a daily basis in the Word. You wrestling with this passage or that verse, that paragraph, that understanding, that thought. You speaking with Him. It's all worth it. Much more worth than the new season of this or that. 
much more worth than seeing how many folks liked that post or the other post. Church, we are to be growing. We are to be growing as individuals and we are to be growing as a body. The question for us this morning, are we? How? Spend some time with Him. Stop. Read. Ask. Converse. Talk. Father, this is what, I, this is what I'm reading. I see You in this. I see that, that You are peace. That You're not far, but that You are near. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 19. Father, thank You for being near. Father, as I go through today, would you show me how near you are? He wants to converse with you. The King of all kings, the God of the universe, wants to spend time with you. And he wants to see you grow internally, spiritually, and to see us multiply. Will we? Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. And God, as we uh, come to a time of response, and Lord, as we sing, in these next few moments, will you, uh, God, will you drive deep in us? Those of us who are, are yours, will you, Will you show us where we stand? Yeah, we're sons and we're daughters, but your desire for me is to be united with my brothers and sisters, to be close, to be walking in the manner with which you have called me, called us, to walk. May I see the goal. May we see the goal. May you show us your son, Jesus. May we see you. May we take up the challenge to know you as you know us. So God, would you move? Would you draw us close to you in Christ's name? Amen. You stand and join us as we sing. I'll be up front. If you want me to pray with you, I'll be here. The altar is always open. You obey and do what God calls you to do right where you are. You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live sin.